Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 49. And we'll begin reading with verse number one this evening. Genesis 49. And we'll begin reading with verse number one. This is Jacob as he is bringing each of his sons before them, him rather, and he is delivering the blessings, as it were, what he pronounced upon them for their future. And uh, so this is how it starts here with his firstborn. The Bible says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. That was the pronouncement over Reuben. Tonight, for a little while, I want to minister this. Shallow waters. Shallow waters. Thank you tonight for being so endearing. Amen with me. Amen. Trying to play. I told my wife earlier today when God called me uh, to come back home, it was to minister and be pastor, not to play. And... uh, So, but with that, their role of pastors, there's all kinds of things that's entailed in that. That's beyond preaching and beyond teaching, I guarantee you. Sometimes it's a plunger in the hand. Amen. Sometimes it's a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's a hospital visit. So many different things that is under the umbrella of that. But thank you for enduring. Amen. I hope that maybe we'll do a little better here in the next little segment of the journey. God, we come to you right now, Lord. We're thankful, Lord, today. God, for your help. We're thankful, God, today for your aid. I pray, O oh Lord, today that you're able to speak and minister, Lord, in this place. God, you are the potter, Lord, and we are the clay. I pray, O oh Lord, uh, add the pressure, Lord Jesus, to our lives, God, where it needs to be. God, those that have gathered together, Lord, on this Sunday night, I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, God, I lean upon those everlasting loving arms of God. Lord Jesus, you are the rock that I cling to. You're the one, God, that I can find shelter under. God, I thank you and I praise you, Lord Jesus, tonight, God, your word. Lord will stand God when everything else fails in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen to the church say amen amen you may be seated shallow waters the great lakes have more shipwrecks per square mile than anywhere else the Lake Superior waters along an 80 mile stretch of Michigan coastline between Grand Island and Whitefish Point have sunk hundreds of ships. Some call it Shipwreck Coast. Others call it the Graveyard of the Great Lakes. 
When winter winds pour in, the Great Lakes are easily mistaken for oceans. Living near Lake Erie, photographer Dave Sanford has been making a visual study, as it were, of the liquid peaks that result when there's high winds and gale force gusts that begin to sculpt the top of the surface water, towering up to waves of 25 feet high on a lake, not the ocean. According to one source, Lake Erie has more known shipwrecks per square foot than any other body of water, with the exception, perhaps, of the English Channel. Of the 8,000 shipwrecks estimated to speckle the lakes, a fourth are thought to lie below the surface of Lake Erie. It has an average depth of 62 feet. Even at its deepest point, it is only 210 feet deep. And they say because Erie is the shallowest of the Great Lakes, it is also the most temperamental of the Great Lakes. In other words, it is prone to change, easily influenced by just the slightest of flux because it is shallow. It doesn't have much depth. It's not that Lake Erie is not a massive body of water in size. It's the fourth largest of the Great Lakes. It is uh, the 11th largest lake globally with a surface area of 9,940 square miles. It's not small by any regard. It's quite reputable in its massive size. But what it lacks in the depth, what it lacks, if you will, in the depth Amen. It makes up for it, would seem, in the surface area. But the surface area is apparent to the eye. It's visible to the natural eye. But the depth is invisible. It's hidden. Until you have enough history with Lake Erie to understand that it is temperamental. And as they say, the trait of being temperamental results from the fact that it is a shallow lake. Some tonight, perhaps even in our world, you can judge the depth or try and attempt to judge the depth of a person by their breath. But that is not necessarily a proper indicator, amen, of depth by no means. Years ago, I remember as a young child, just a young boy, we probably had a black and white television that was about that big. As a young boy back in 1987, I remember in my home, many of you that are of that age will remember as well. I I remember watching a story that came from the state of Texas and uh, it filled all the airways of Americans as rescuers were frantically trying to rescue an 18-month-old child uh, known, would become known as baby Jessica uh, from a well that she was trapped in. Many of you perhaps remember that. She fell down a well. She was trapped in that well for 58 hours. It's such an unprecedented thing in our land because I think it was the first live stream of a rescue like that that ever took place in America. And they piped it in the homes of Americans as everybody watched. I remember just hours upon hours, they, they would go back to that and with bated breath, they're wondering if she is going to survive. The diameter of the hole that she fell in was just eight inches in diameter. But the depth was 22 feet deep. So a lack of breadth may not indicate shallowness any more than something that it has a broad surface lends itself to depth. So we cannot judge the depth of something necessarily by its breadth. 
or the titles or the positions will never automatically equal death. Judas was a disciple of the Lord. He was accounted along with the other 11. He had the, the honorable position of being the treasurer, if you will, of the 12th. But he had the depth of a bottle cap. He had no depth. Even the prophet Samuel was taken back by the breath of the eldest son of Jesse, whose name was Eliab, he, Jesse's eldest son. Whenever he went to Jesse's house to anoint one of those boys king, here is Jesse, here is Jesse bringing all of his sons before Samuel. And here is Eliab coming first. And he looks upon that boy and he, he judged him according to his breath. And he says, surely the Lord's anointed is before the Lord. But the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 6, and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. Samuel's like God, he's, he's got the countenance that a king should have. He's got the height that would be suitable for a king to have. Look, look at this breadth, if you will, before me that this man has in appearance. But while Samuel is taking it all in and judging it just by what he could see, God says, no, Samuel, that's not the one. He says, I know you see breadth and I know you see potential according to the appearance. He said, but this guy doesn't have any depth. Amen. I know you see a lot here on the surface and you see the surface only he says but I see the depth he in other words God was telling Samuel he says Eliab he might have a broad way but he's shallow he has a broad way I, I know that he seems very very uh, uh, apparent before you like a likely candidate amen but he's a shallow 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 man as a matter of fact when David showed up amen in the fight against Goliath to inquire about the war that was going on against Goliath. Amen. Eliab is standing there and Eliab is temperamental. Eliab, the Bible says, becomes soon angered at David because of his inquiry. Amen. He was speaking with contempt toward David because although he had all the appearances of what Samuel thought would make a good king, he had no depth in his life. Can I tell you tonight that a person, and even even a church can be involved in many things. A church can have every program imaginable and still be anemic in depth. The Bible says it's straight as the gate and narrow as the way that would be preferred over a wide gate and a broad way any day. Amen. As long as it led to depth. Straight versus wide. Narrow versus broad. But what about the depth? One leads unto eternal life and one leads to to destruction. You can't judge something just by its breath, by its appearance, by, by, by its title, by its position. You got to go and see what the depth of the matter is because there are some perhaps shallow waters that lend somebody to be an amen changeable and, and given to flux and given to every wind that would blow. Just recently had a conversation with a minister who in the conversation, the man of God of yesteryear was brought up. And uh, this man of God no longer endorses passages about modesty. This man of God of yesteryear no longer endorses 
the distinction of the sexes. But there was a day that he would preach those things just as strong as any other individual. As a matter of fact, he has preached several of the camp meetings that many of you years ago attended. Years ago, I have tapes of his still yet to this day that I can put in. And I could bring up things that he said then that are totally contrary to what he says now. No longer with the distinctions. No longer with modesty. And I'm telling you right now, the man was a preacher. He had the charisma. He knew how to move a crowd. He knew how to linguistically lead a congregation with his language and his oratory. People would be captivated by what he said and by his message. Yet in his heyday, it is reported that he would be out all hours of the night with the young people of wherever he preached. He'd be playing golf all throughout the day. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just, just stay here with me for a moment. He was asked one time while he's playing golf during a revival that he was preaching at that night. They asked him, are you preaching tonight? Uh, do you need time to study? Do you, do you need to get time away to pray? And he just said, no. He said, I'm just going to do old number 32 having his, his sermons numbered. And I understand as an evangelist, let me tell you, I understand there was sometimes I preached some things more than once. But it's not just because I was doing anything I wanted and that I needed that because I goofed off. You still, with much prayer and with much study, gave consideration. What are you saying? I'm saying here's a man that if you've seen him, he was broad. Here's a man, if you could, would see him, he could move a crowd. He had proper oratory. Amen. But the fact of the matter was this. There was no depth. It was shallow, shallow water. And so shallow lives lead to temperamental lives. Shallow lives lead to those that are subject to change. But the wisdom of Proverbs 24 and verse 21 is this. Meddle not with them that are given to change. If you ever witness someone being fickle or somewhat erratic, then you can mark it down that they've sailed into some shallow waters. Oh, someone say amen. Help me, Jesus. Ephesians 14, the apostle Paul said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. He said, do not be tossed to and fro. That, that is the language in the word of, of waves or billows that a vessel would experience upon a water being tossed to and fro, which was more than likely produced by a wind that was blowing. The very same thing, or the very thing that shores up a body of water and stabilizes it is the fact, this fact, this is what makes water stable. And I'm not talking about tides. I'm talking about wind. This is what makes water stable. The fact that it doesn't have a bottom. Or at least less of a bottom. You know what I'm talking about? It's some distance before you will reach bottom. In other words, take a wind and blow it upon a lake. And then take the same wind and blow it upon the ocean. And the shallow water will be more turbulent than the deep water. Because when you have depth, it's resistance to the pressure and the wind and the change. There's more volume to push against. There's more volume. 
amen, to have to push in order to create a wave. We need in this hour not shallow, shallow water Christians, not shallow water churches, not shallow water parents. We need people. Oh, it may look good on the surface, but we need people that has some depth so that when the winds blow, because they will blow, it's not if, it's just when, that when the winds blow, there is a means of resistance. We won't be temperamental and blown with every wind and every direction and every way. We need to not be caught in the shallow waters. Paul found himself upon a boat. And I come back to my text. I know that's unlike me. I can take a text and wring it hard and it can be as dry as anything and I'll get a drop of water out of it. Amen. But Paul found himself upon a boat. Or just a few times the Bible says he was upon the boat among turbulent waters. In his portfolio it says that three times he suffered shipwreck. There's no wonder in Acts chapter 27 then that why he and 275 other people were on their way heading to Rome that the Bible says that they threw out four anchors the very moment that they realized that the waters were getting shallower. They, they kept them in the ship, but the moment that they noticed the water getting shower, shallower, they sounded, the Bible says, and it was 20 fathoms deep. They went a little further and they sounded again and it was 15 fathoms deep. And when they learned it was getting more shallow, they threw out four anchors. The Bible says that they feared the rocks, but they also knew that shallow water is turbulent water. Shallow water is uncertain water. It was temperamental Water. The Bible says when they finally pulled up those anchors that the breaking of the hinder part of the ship, it was due, according to Scripture, due to the violence of the waves. When she let go of those anchors and she ran aground in the shallow water, it was the violence of the waves that broke her in two. So if we don't have any depth, then we for sure need an anchor. And even if we do have depth, we still need the availability of an anchor. The writer of Hebrews is talking, amen, in the book of Hebrews, he's talking about the foundation of God. He's talking about the steadfastness of God. He's talking about the surety of God. He goes on and he begins to allude to the immutability, the immutability or the unchangeableness, the changelessness of God. And he says in verse 19, which hope, speaking of God, we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. You know what Paul, amen, was saying? He's saying even in this life that we live, in this spiritual life that we live, he says even if we're in shallow water or deep water, we need and we can still have an anchor that's sure and steadfast. The old hymnal used to say, I'm anchored in Jesus. Upon life's boundless ocean where mighty billows row, I fix my hope in Jesus. Amen. Blessed anchor of my soul. When trials fierce assail me, as storms are gathering o'er, I rest upon his mercy and trust him more. I'm anchored in Jesus. We need an anchor. Depth or no depth for sure, we need an anchor. When things are uncertain and shallow, we need an anchor. When there's commotion and unrest, we need an anchor someone say amen 
We need it. Paul told Timothy, his protege in the gospel, he said, hope to the faith. He says, but some, having put away the faith, have made shipwreck. He said, some have traded the depth for the shallow uncertainties. And they've suffered shipwreck. He said, even some men have drowned in destruction. And they've drowned in perdition. Someone say shallow waters. The beginning of Jacob's blessing over his firstborn Reuben. As he calls all these sons one by one or together even for that matter to his bedside. As he knows life is escaping him. He brings that firstborn by his bedside. He looks at Reuben. Amen. Through those eyes that may be drooping somewhat and that wrinkled face that show and attest to the years that he had spent upon this earth. Reuben is there. Reuben is hopeful. He's the firstborn. He would be the first to carry. Amen. And represent the family name. Amen. In his father's heritage. As the firstborn, he would be the son that would have the double portion of the inheritance of his family and his father. Amen. Given to him. It would be his that double portion. He would be responsible with his position and placement. He would be responsible with his breadth for the family when dad was gone. Jacob calls Reuben. He says, Reuben is my might. Oh, this is great. Reuben is my strength. That's breath. Amen. He's the excellency of dignity. He's the power. Amen. He's the power of my life. Oh, what a vast, visible surface area that Reuben has. Amen. Dignity and power. Amen. And to his father, represented in Reuben's life. All of those things represented positive qualities and or positions that Reuben had. But turning very quickly, his father on a hinge, his dad said to him, but you are unsafe stable as water and thou shalt not excel in other words Reuben in spite of everything I formally said to you in spite of you being the firstborn in spite of you should be getting the double amen inheritance in spite of being the first one to carry the family name and excellency of dignity and all of these things Reuben you just can't be dependent upon you are unstable as water if I could say it like this Reuben you have a vast portfolio it seems of excellent things but you don't have have the character to substantiate it. I'm afraid in the church and I'm afraid in the movement even of apostolics uh, that there's a lot of people that's walking the dog and the pony show and they have a lot if you will to show and a lot if you will uh, seemingly to give but they don't even have the character to substantiate uh, amen their portfolio that's known and seen by human beings uh, it all looks fine it all looks well it all looks glimmer and limelight and the best that there can be but there is no depth they are in shallow waters they there is no... Let me tell you tonight that if a man of God can be an evangelist and preach somewhere and turn around on what he used to preach to, then there can be common people sitting on a pew, Sister Malin, that can walk the dog and say, this is who I am. Look at my breath. Look at everything I have to offer. Look at my good Christianhood. But God sees like we don't see. And he says, wait a minute. There's no depth there. They are wide, but they're an inch deep. They're wide.
matters. You're unstable. You're unstable, Reuben, because instability, instability is in shallow waters. Firstborn, excellent of dignity, all these things. But boy, you don't have the character. You look good on paper, Reuben. Sounds pleasing to the ear, Reuben. But you don't have an anchor point for tethering your life down. Someone say amen. It's this Reuben from which the tribe of Reuben, of course, births and comes forward. Reuben. Oh, great portfolio. It's almost like somebody lying on a resume. Going through all the bullet points. I've done this. I worked here. I got this degree. I got all of these, all these uh, uh, qualities. And then you hire them. And son, they wouldn't know to come in out of the rain if their mama didn't tell them. They have anything to substantiate what they got on paper. The tribe of Reuben, as this would go, talking about shallow waters, no depth. It is the tribe of Reuben that chose when it was time to go to the land of promise that God said they should have and ought to have. It is the tribe of Reuben that settles on the other side of the Jordan, opposite the land of promise. Someone say shallow waters. It is the tribe of Reuben. You can read of some of the other tribes. They have, if you will, Famous people are people that arose to some type of substantial place and with good character and, and led, if you will, in history or judged the nation of Israel or may have been a prophetic voice and, and used of God with signs and miracles and wonders and they had the character to substantiate the power that God gave to them. But whenever we read of the tribe of, Ju- uh, of, the tribe of Reuben, no judge came from the tribe of Reuben. No prophet ever came from the tribe of Reuben. No ruler ever came from the tribe of Reuben. No prince ever came from the tribe of Reuben. For that matter, the only person of quote-unquote fame that ever came from Reuben were two boys by the name of Dathan and Abiram, and they were leaders in the rebellion against Moses. Somebody say shallow waters. The Bible tells us that it is the tribe of Reuben that is chastened in the book of Judges because the Bible says as they were called to battle against Sisera's Canaanite army that the tribe of Reuben had great searching of heart but they never made a decision to help. They never sold out. Can I tell you that shallow waters talking about Having all the appearance, but not having the death. First Kings chapter number 5 and verse number 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host, the king of Syria, was a great man with his master. Honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. Everybody say, but. He was a leper. <laughs> He's honorable. He's the captain of the host. The Lord had enabled him to get deliverance. Hallelujah. He was a great man with his master. 
His success was not due to some no accident of his birth. It was, it was not attained through the influence of his friends, but rather, of course, at some critical juncture in the history of his country, Naaman seemed to come to the rescue to turn the tide of battle. Naaman seems, according to this description, to be an intellectually keen man. He seems to be physically strong. He seems to be socially popular. Amen. But the Bible says... He was a leper. He is an idolater at best. He is a worshiper of Rimmon. He is a leper. Can I tell you that there are just some things that will never be able to make up for a lack of death? There's, there's not a label of captain or being great with the master or a deliverer or being a mighty man of valor. You can make the list as long as you want to, but it will never balance out the scales of true, divine, heartfelt death. Someone say amen. Amen. Being captain wouldn't solidify the position. Wearing the uniform wouldn't do it. No, it didn't matter how many medals that they put upon his lapel. That could never cover up. That could never totally mask over the shallowness of Naaman because he was a leper. Someone say amen. Shallow waters. The Bible says in Mark 4 and verse 5, Shallow waters, I'm still speaking of shallowness and depth, but we're switching from water to earth. Mark 4 and verse 5, and some fell on stony ground. It's the parable of the sowers. Where it had much, not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. It says immediately it sprung up. Immediately the seed springs up. And the seed springs up quicker because of the shallowness of the soil. Because it has no depth of earth. It would spring up sooner because there was little earth covering it. But the sun beating on it just as quickly scorches it because it has no root or for the same reason it had no depth of earth. See, we need something below the surface that can sustain what is above the surface. Amen. The lack of depth of earth contributed to it immediately springing up. Uh-huh. But also did that lack of depth of earth lend it to being scorched by the sun. I went, I'm not a gardener, but I went. And they say that one of the one of the major factors of determining plant success is seed depth. Some of the people out here that's gardeners may know this. Every seed has a unique planting depth based upon its overall size. In general, they say that a seed's planting depth is approximately two or three times its diameter in size. Meaning the larger the seed, the deeper it's going to have to be buried. There's always exceptions, but that's just kind of a rule of thumb. Now, depending on the plant, some seeds need a deep planting location 
so that the roots of the plant will grow deeply for anchoring the plant. But the seed in the parable, and I'm hastening to a close, but the seed in the parable was the word. David said in Psalms, Thy word have I hid, or if I may interject, planted in my heart because it needs the depth for stability. Because varying adverse winds will try its firmness, its resoluteness, its sureness. Winds of doctrine that I've already read about. Winds of devastation. According here in the proverb, there would be persecution and affliction of a shining sun that will try its depth. And it needed to be deep. Amen. Listen, just because it seems like they are a, what can we say, a superstar when they first come to the Lord. They come to the Lord and it seems like, man, everything in their life just turns over and they're just a model Christian. If it sprang up quick, it might get scorched quick. Because it doesn't have no depth. I'll even tell somebody tonight, don't get too upset because you started the race the same time somebody else started. And it seems like they got it all together. And it seems like it happened quick. Because quick doesn't always mean longevity. The Bible says, you understand with me? The Bible says, Psalms 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. Aren't we usually amazed whenever a tree topples over and it has this huge, old, deep pit because the only way it got over is that it had to uproot the depth of the earth? Huh? Hey, man, it's depth. The fruit of the tree was authenticated by the depth. Its vegetation was proven by, according to the Psalms, by the depth. These are, if you will, deep waters, stable waters, not unstable, but sure waters. Can we bow our heads tonight? I want to be, as I enter in a new year, I don't want to be shallow water, Paul McGee, shallow water Christian that has all the right things that look good on the surface, but I lack depth. 
but I lack depth. No, Lord, help me to be tethered. Lord, in something, God, that isn't even seen on the surface, that's hidden by the eye. God, that you know, Lord Jesus, because sometimes you're the only one that can see that there is depth in all of this. Folks, I've heard it. I've heard it. Some people sometimes have scratched their head. How is it that some people, amen, can come to a, 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 a pulpit and they can be able to preach? And it seems like, man, it is all over the place. And you might feel like that's the way my preaching is tonight. That, that man, they just can't even get it together and they can't even put Put two sentences together, but I've seen people, amen, some old gentleman get up, amen, preach like that. It wasn't no great oratory, but whenever he gave the altar call, it seemed like something happened. When the altar call, I've even scratched my head sometimes and thought, how in the world can the outcome, amen, of this service, amen, with that preaching, amen, be like that and come about as it is. And you know what it is? Amen. There might not have been some great appearance on the surface, but there was death. There was a man there that went to prayer. There was a man there that went to fasting. There was a man there that had consecration and dedication that nobody else could see. He didn't worry about being broad. He just said, let me get as deep as I can get. Just let me. If we can raise our hands here tonight. God, I love you, Jesus. God, shallow water, I pray, oh, Lord, today. God, I don't want to be caught in the shallows, Lord. It is the shallow that is temperamental. It is the shallow, Lord, that's given to change. It is the shallow, God, that's given, Lord God, to an alteration. It is the shallow, O oh Lord, God, that's given in to these things. Oh, yes. Savior that you are. What a blessed Savior God that you are. Lord Jesus, you are good and kind and compassionate. Lord, you know what's the Lord Jesus today. God, you know, Lord, that above the surface and you know that below the surface. God, you know that above the surface and you know that, above, Lord, below the surface. God, you know, Lord God, what could fool man, but God, you know the things, Lord God, that you cannot be fooled by. I love you, O oh Lord. I love you, O oh Lord. I love you, O oh Lord. I love you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.